You're listening to the Half Full Gaming Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Half Full Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, DJ, and today I have my co-host, Zeke, with me. Hi, this is Zeke. And we have a special guest for the first time ever on our podcast, uh, our good friend, Mike. Guys, thanks for having me on. All right, we're glad to have you here. This is exciting. We have a our first three-person podcast for the Half Full Gaming Cast. Um, this week, we're going to also, for the first time, be revisiting a prior topic. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Magic the Gathering today. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about what we've been up to. We're going to have a little news segment, and then we'll jump into our topic. So uh, before we get into what we've been doing, the news is going to cover some games that are coming out as re-releases for November, as well as new games. Uh, we'll mention Google Stadia, and then we will jump into uh, beginner tips for Magic the Gathering and deck building for Magic the Gathering, and we will all uh, have quite a bit to say about those different topics, so maybe more some than others. So, All right, um, before we get into that, Zeke, how was your week? What have you been up to? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, been playing a lot of TFT. Uh, the new set came out, really excited. That one's been doing well. Um, I also got Apple Streaming and started watching some new shows. Uh, the new... Um, there's a Jennifer Aniston like uh, show about a morning show called The Morning Show. That one was really good. My wife and I have been watching that. We've been having fun with that. It's on really Apple TV, show. right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So I, I bought an Apple TV, which means I get Apple a years of app. If you buy one of the Apple products, you get like a year's worth of streaming for free. So we got the thing and we started watching the shows. It's actually really good, really good quality, high quality, good shows. So what is, an, what is an Apple TV? Is that like a device you plug into your TV or is that an actual television? It's a it's a device. You, it's like it's like a device you plug into your TV that it, it's a 4K device, so it allows me to watch and stream like anything you could stream on an like an iPhone, really. Any apps you could stream on an iPhone. Okay, so a, it's really just like a streaming device you plug into your TV. Kind of like an Xbox, yeah, like an Xbox 4K streaming thing, essentially. And with this, you get a subscription to it, which gives you all of these shows that they're doing, kind of like Disney Plus or something. Exactly, yeah. It's only like five bucks a month if you want to subscribe to it. But yeah, it's um, it's good. I like it. Cool. I think everybody likes Jennifer Aniston, so I'm sure that's an interesting show. I saw some commercials yeah. for it on YouTube and stuff, so I've actually been. It, it's I... really well made and really good. Rebecca likes it. It's um, it's not as predictable as as like some shows. Like they did a really good job of making it like you think it's kind of going one way and then it goes another way, and it's like kind of keeping you on the edge of your seat, but really interesting. Really, some really um good themes in it but i won't spoil anything all right so a little bit of tv a little bit of team fight tactics with league of legends anything else you play any smash or any magic the gathering cough, cough. i mean we podcasted like a week ago i think right so not really much else since then i oh i played i started playing um the uh the switch um the star wars game on the switch jedi knight jedi outcast yeah how'd you yeah, like that kind of fun. i'm kind of looking forward to the next time i get a little bit of uh like mobile free time, I'm gonna get get more into that. I actually enjoyed it. The first I've been just started the first mission, didn't really get very far into it, but it's going good. I like it. Cool, picking up that switch just in time for this Friday. Pokemon's coming out. So. Yes, yeah, I'm excited for Pokemon, and then I put the Star Wars game on my Christmas list, so that one I'll play around Star Wars time. 
Sweet. Yeah, I'll probably try to put that on one of my Christmas lists too because I don't think I'm going to buy it right away. But I'm definitely going to watch some Twitch footage of it when it comes out and just see what it's really about. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So well, that's pretty much it for me. What is? Uh, what have you guys been up to? All right, Mike, you can take it away, and then I'll I'll close this out with it. Uh, Zika was mentioning Jennifer Aniston, and I've actually been uh, watching Friends a lot lately. I I uh, never really watched that. Yeah, when it first came out. So my wife uh, Lexi and I have been going through that show for the last couple of weeks. Uh, the other thing I watched uh, this past week uh, was V for Vendetta. That's an old movie with Natalie Portman. I've only ever seen it once. What do you think That's of it? Good. Yeah, it was good. Same with you. I'd only watched it once and a long time ago, you know, closer to when it first came out. But watching it again, uh, you kind of have a different perspective on it, watching it at different time periods, you know, given what's going on. So it was kind of interesting to watch it a second time with a, a bit more years under my belt. <laughs> and then uh, as far as games go, I've been uh, playing through The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. I've been playing that on my Xbox uh, quite a bit. Uh, magic deck building and uh, playing a little bit of arena online so as we'll talk about later i've got a couple different decks i've been filling with for a while trying to get them to work so yeah i'm excited to talk about that your decks are definitely very interesting and uh, you keep finding cool ways to modify them so that'll be fun yeah how about you i speaking of movies i guess i don't think jennifer anderson was in this one but i'm watching Zombieland for the first time <laughs> But the wife won't watch it with me. She started it and she's like, nope, not doing this. So I'm just watching it in my spare time, 15 minutes at a time, which is not really the ideal way to watch a movie, but I don't get a lot I of money. I saw that one time. in college with friends. It's a, it's a good movie. The first one, right? Yeah. Have you seen the second one too? No, I have not seen the second one. Again, my wife's not into anything zombie related. So uh, if it even has like a hint of like it might be zombie related, we won't even watch it. Have you seen like, Zombieland, Mike? She won't even give it a chance. No, I haven't seen it. I'll have to check it out. It's a zombie comedy with, I think the main character kid is the guy who, did he play the Facebook guy? Or was that, no, he didn't yeah. do that. Yeah, he did? He did. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he played Mark Zuckerberg in that Facebook movie. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. Uh, he's really funny, and he's really funny in the zombie movie, too. Um, but anyways, I'll, I guess I'll let you know when I finally finish it, whenever that is, how I thought it. You guys Shaun of the Dead? That's That was a kind of comedy zombie movie, too. I want to say I did a long time ago, but I can't remember if I did or not. That I know it was very popular, so I guess I'll have to look, yeah, so Google it and see. Too. I used to watch all kinds of zombie movies, so they kind of start to blend together. Mm -hmm. I'll definitely, I'll definitely look that up though. Um, all right, as far as game wise, I've been playing Magic Arena online, like you, Mike. I've been playing Magic in person with you two, and then uh, I think I played a little bit of Super Smash Bros. this week by myself, and I played. No, I've actually been watching a lot of YouTube videos mostly on Magic and on Pokemon coming out. There's been a lot of leaks and spoilers for that, so I've been watching some of that as well. That's really my week for the most part. So. Um, well, then I guess we can move right into the news here. All right, so for the news, we have games that are uh, coming out or came out in November. On the 5th of November, uh, just five days ago, we had Need for Speed Heat. Uh, that came out across the board. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 came to PC. Shadow of the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition came out. Um, and that came out to everything, so anything that wouldn't have had it before now has it. And then Death Stranding is a newer game that just came out two days ago on the 8th. That one had a lot of uh, buzz around it, but it's not something I've been looking into. 
Um, the 15th is this Friday, and we have a new Jumanji game coming out, Pokemon Sword and Shield. We have Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and we have a new Terminator game. And then on the 19th, Google Stadia is launching, and that's going to have a plethora of video games coming to it that people will be able to stream, and we're going to see how the new world of streaming video games works out, I guess. So I don't really have high hopes for it, but maybe one day. Um, so any of those games or any of those topics stand out to you guys? Uh, well, I uh, have played Red Dead Redemption 2 a bit on the Xbox, so that's cool that that's coming out on PC now. Both the original and the second one are, are great games, so I definitely recommend those to any you know RPG open world type fans. Those are great games. Yeah, I never got to play the first one, um, but I really enjoyed the second one. I played a lot of the second one and online as well, and I have uh, some other some other friends. Uh, I was just hanging out with um, a friend yesterday, Alicia, who does another podcast with me, and she loves Red Dead 2 a lot as well, and she plays online all the time. But I like the horses in that game and stuff, and obviously the Western scene. I like medieval time period and Western time periods a lot, so anything set in those is always pretty cool. What about you, Yeah. Uh, I haven't been playing much Xbox. I played a little bit of Red Dead, but I never got like super into it. My wife and I tried it out. Um, I don't know. It didn't seem to hold our attention. For Did you buy reason. the second one? Yeah. Oh, and you just didn't get that yeah. far into it. We just didn't get that far into it, yeah. It, it was op- a good game. Well, it opens up after the first chapter, then you get like to do whatever you want, but the first chapter is really story and really slow. Yeah. I gotta be in a certain kind of mood for like a single-player um just a massive single-player storyline, you know? Yeah. And it's got to really get me in order for me to like it. But... I hear just, you. like, time is everything, too, you know? Like, what I'm playing, if I'm playing a game when something comes out, sometimes I don't try things. I yeah, if you're that. sucked into something, you know? Like, a little while ago, we were playing a lot of RuneScape, so we didn't really keep our head looking at anything else. But now Pokemon's coming out, and that one's another game that's going to really suck me in for a little while. Um, we're, like, late at night. I'll be playing that for hours at night, every night for a while beating that and then getting into the competitive scene. I know another Pokemon community I like to hang out with um, called Puckle. They uh, do a lot of tournaments and stuff, and they're all getting hyped for the co-op stuff in the new Pokemon game because we can all play together and stuff. So that'll be a fun time. Um, Well, I guess we can move on over to the discussion. I think we'll have a lot more to say during the discussion today, um, but I did. I just liked being able to cover a couple of those games because I know the last couple of episodes we didn't do too many game releases and stuff, and with the holidays approaching, there's all kinds of games coming out. Um, everybody has a game coming out right now, so it's going to be a battle of you know who sells the most games this Christmas. Um, okay, well, let's jump on over to the discussion. All right, welcome to the discussion, everybody. Um, again, today we're going to be talking about Magic the Gathering. Uh, we're going to start off with some beginner tips, some just general chat about Magic, some stuff we've learned, some stuff we've picked up over the years or over the months, in Zeke's in my case. Um, but I've been watching a lot of videos, too, so I'll try to reciprocate some of that knowledge or, you know, that I've seen. Um, Mike will probably have quite a few things to say since he's been playing since, uh, what, you were 10 years old, Mike? Yeah, just about... That is a long time. I think the the box itself says thirteen and up, so you were you were breaking the law there. Yeah, I know. I may have been. Don't report me. <laughs> but I know Who some of are playing with I some of that just... artwork's a little racy. So, got some scandalous looking vampires and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I started actually when I was a kid at the YMCA 
summer day camp I was going to. Uh, a friend of mine from school also went there and he kind of got me uh, into it. So kids at the Y camp ever since then. So. Oh, that's neat. All right, cool. Yeah. That is cool. No, I always like hearing how people get into stuff. So whether it be video games or cards or even TV shows and stuff, you know, who referred them to it or how they got into it, you know, how long they've been doing that kind of stuff. It's always cool. So, um, Let's talk about, for our first tip, let's talk a little bit about opening hands. So what does a good opening hand look like? What do you personally look for in an opening hand? And does that change depending on the deck you're playing? Um, and mulligans. So if you're not familiar with the term, mulligan means you can throw your hand back in the deck and shuffle and draw again. Usually you have to give a card back unless you're playing uh, friendly sevens or something with friends or you have an agreement or something. But usually you throw a card back in and pull it out again and you go from six cards to five cards to four cards if you keep mulliganing, um, which is not usually recommended. But um, so for an opening hand, some people will say, I've seen on YouTube and other podcasts, two lands or more, and some people will say four lands or more. So how many lands do you guys like to have in your decks when you're opening hand? I'll, uh, I would say that it is very dependent on the type of deck you're playing, but uh, as a beginner tip, you know, just my preference, I would usually say three, you know, right in between those two recommended numbers, because, you know, if, if you've got more than that and then you draw another couple lands, you know, you could be in a tough spot. The opposite of that, if you've only got two and you don't draw any more lands after that, I think being mana deficient is one of the worst and most frustrating things that can happen when you're playing Magic. So I always go for three. If I've got three or four, you know, I'll keep the hand. If I've got two or five, then I'll usually mulligan it. What about you, Zeke? Yeah, I usually, yeah, like I said, it depends on the other cards I draw. So, like, if I have a bunch of, like, one and two mana cost things, or, like, two, three cost mana, you know, one through three cost things, plus three mana, like, so I know, like, once I get my three mana out, I'll have a bunch of stuff to do to kind of stall to get more mana in my hand. I'll play it, but if I pull, like, you know, three mana and, like, you know, two or three, like, four cost things or higher, I won't, I'll, I'll mulligan that. So, that's kind of how I decide. So like, oh, but if I have four mana and like, you know, some four, like, you know, maybe one or two things I can play early and then a couple higher mana things, then I'll, I'll play it. It's kind of how I, that's the ruling how I kind of play. But I'm new to this game. I'm actually probably the least, I'm definitely the least experienced out of the three of us. But I think it's good to get, I think it's good to get opinions from very long-term experienced players and new players. And it kind of helps our discussion hit all the angles because lots of people will come into the game and they won't even know the lingo or what things are called or and if if we only have super experienced players talking about it the it might go over the head of a lot of new players so i think it's good we have a nice balance of new and old players so we can kind of talk from all aspects of the game because you and me are both newer players and, and mike is not he's been around for a long time doing this so i think it's cool um i you were talking a little bit about a mana curve which i think is interesting so making sure that you have some low some low mana cost creatures with enough is that what lands. Mana curve is? What is a mana curve? Can you explain that? I don't actually know what that is. Right. So, <clears throat> uh, correct me if I if I say anything wrong, Mike. Please jump in. Um, but I believe a mana curve would be you want to have three lands and three creatures that are all three mana cost or lower, because then you're going to curve nicely into being able to play turn one, turn two, and turn three. And you kind of always want to play the most you can. So ideally, you want a two cost creature on turn two or a two cost spell and a three cost on turn three, because you want to be able to curve properly. Did I say that correctly, Mike? Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. Um, 
I think, you know, just the overall concept of trying to have more cards that cost less mana, cards that cost more mana, you know, you, you want your deck to have a, a much higher percentage of one, two, three uh, cost cards versus four, five, six, and above that, because like you were saying, you want to try to get the pro then the probability of having cards in your opening hand that you can play early increases. So almost like if you were to graph it, you know, if you did a graph of the mana cost of your cards and how many of each you had, it would create a curve and you want that curve to be top of that curve to be further towards the lower mana cost, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see a lot of when you upload a pre-made deck to Magic Arena, lots of times the curve is like dead center. And I think that could use some work to either lean towards the beginning or the late game. But it'll have like a, um, make like a triangle almost. And then the, the peak point of the most cards are like middle cost cards, like probably, I don't know, three and four cost cards, but not five mm -hmm. and six cost cards and not one and two. And then I think like lots of decks will then modify to become an early game deck and do heavier towards the one and two and three costs. And some will go late. But um, in order to go late, you have to have, um, I believe the term is a ramp. So they will like accelerate really fast on how much mana they get on the board and allow them to play stuff earlier than what they could normally play. So they'll be playing a, a turn five card on turn two or three, you know, and that would be, I believe, like a ramp deck, I think is what that's called. But that's where they kind of speed up the process. And then that, of course, messes up everything we just talked about with curves and how many lands you want and this and that, because you have to know know your deck and that's actually the next tip i wanted to talk about um, knowing your deck how it works how it interacts with other decks that's important and the way you do that is by playing it a lot um so i think knowing your deck is is a good tip and you know how did how did you guys get to know your decks do you guys rip them apart and look at them do you guys play them a lot do you play them online do you play them against yourself do you wait until you're with friends how do you guys get familiar with your decks and and really start to understand them so for me, uh, I have, as you said, I've been playing since, you know, I was like 10 years old. So I have a lot of older cards. So playing online with my decks isn't uh, very useful sometimes, or it's, they're not even, the cards aren't even available to play online. So I will actually just take my decks, I'll build them and I'll play them against each other time and time again to see how they play. And, uh, for me, it, again, it depends on the deck. Uh, some decks are much simpler than others, and it becomes pretty straightforward. You know, when you have a card in your hand, you play it. But other cards, especially if they're in a deck that's built towards a late-game strategy, like one of my decks, um, I won't get into it too much here, but uh, it's it's built around gaining a lot of life and creating very large creatures. And so I also have certain enchantments that give those large creatures the ability to either, you know, fly over an opponent or to use trample to go through an opponent. And those cards, I don't want to use them early in the game on a smaller creature because then it's kind of a waste. I need to save those cards for later in my game when I have one of my powerful creatures built up. And that's really where knowing your deck is very important. You don't want to waste a card even if it's playable early in the game, but it's very important to your win strategy condition. You need to know your deck and you need to know when to hold on to a card versus playing it. I think that's really important. And you only get that knowledge by really knowing every card that's in your deck and what your strategy is.
that's really that's insightful. It was well said. So, uh, Zeke, you wanted to jump in on that as well. So, how do you get? Can to you remind me of the full question again? How how do you get to know your deck? Do you play it against itself? Do you wait to play with oh. friends? Are you doing research online? What are you doing to get to know your decks and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So for me, I typically I think looking at it helps, and then I playing it honestly because it's really hard, especially as I've been a beginner. I um I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I don't. I don't know how a lot. Like a lot of the different styles and types of decks and like play styles. You know really, what I mean? what's out there, right? Yeah, like what's out there and stuff like that. And I don't know just by looking at a car exactly how it will play. So I think it helps to have. Um, really, I think just, it helps to have that. Like to get uh, as many games as you can in. Honestly, as, as a new player, you really just want to play as much as possible. Yeah. I think. Yeah, when you start playing the deck, it kind of teaches you, especially like the ones you buy, right? They kind of teach you how to play that deck and you learn that style. And then once you kind of learn how the deck flows and feels, I've, I've noticed that it gets a little bit easier to like modify it. You know what I mean? I feel a little bit better about modifying it and things like that. Because then I know like, oh, well, I really, this card really doesn't seem to help the deck, you know, but these cards are very crucial to the deck. So don't remove those, that kind of thing. But yeah, that's how I do it. Sorry, I was looking for my record button. I have a push to talk button on my end. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, okay. Um, so for me personally, I I picked up on something that Mike told me he does where I actually play my deck against itself. I pull out two decks and I do this all the time. I'll put them on the table and play them against each other and just see how they play. And another way I like to do to make sure that things are going to pull properly or I'll have good starting hands is I'll test it. I'll just draw a hand of seven, shuffle it back in, shuffle the deck, draw a hand of seven, and that kind of lets me know that um, how it's going to pull usually and what what I can get away with. And I'll usually play the first few hands and draw the first few cards and see just on a... And this is kind of like getting to know my deck's, uh, I don't know, balance or how if it's properly balanced, I guess. Um, how I get to know, know my deck is I play a lot. I actually play a lot online with the deck. Uh, before modifying it, and then I slowly start modifying it. And sometimes I have to go backwards on mod modifications and pull them back out and start again from scratch if you make a mistake or unbalance or break something. But I play a lot online. I like to read my cards a lot, um, which is a really good tip. Always read your cards and always read your opponent's cards if you don't know what it is because you need to know what your opponents kind of can't do. All right, so for our, uh, our next tip, we'll talk about dice and counters. Um, some people like to use physical counters, and some people like to use laptops or paper or things to help them keep track of the game. But no matter what you choose to do, it's important to have a plan in place, and it's important to let your opponent know what you're doing um, so that you both can be on the same page. Um, so what do you guys like to use to keep track of what's going on in the game, whether it be reminding you to do stuff, to take actions, or to keep track of your opponent or yourself? What do you guys like to do with that? Zeke, you can start, and then we'll let Mike go second. Yeah, uh, I don't... I don't know. I, I, I used, when I first started out, I used like the little beginner card to kind of teach me my step. And I try to remember to, you know, untap and pull my card at the beginning. And it was like, that's really, once from there, I just, I kind of just leave it all up into my head. Like, I just think, you know, oh, next step, next step. I don't know. I, I so My brain functions that way pretty well. And as I do it more, I just pick it up and slowly learn it. I don't have a lot of cool tips and tricks on that yet. Okay. Well, that that that's the the new player coming out, you know. So that's why we like to get a little bit of both, you know. What are you looking at? What have you seen other people do, perhaps? I know you've been kind of leaning on us too a little bit because we usually play together. So when you play with me, I bring over all my dice, and um, 
I try. I, I'm a really physical yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use the dice. Yeah, I like the dice. I'm the a dice super are... physical person when it comes to board games and stuff. I like to have all the little doodads and knickknacks that that make the experience deeper and richer for myself. Um, and, but when I first started playing with Mike, uh, I didn't even know this kind of stuff existed. Mike, you actually brought over a laptop and did that. So how have you kept track of stuff over the years when you first started? And what do you what did you do? And what do you like doing best? Yeah, it. Uh, I think it varies, like you're saying, depending on the experience of the player and the complexity of the deck. You know, when I started out, I had very simplistic decks that didn't use very many counters or a lot of life gain. So most of the time I played like Zeke with it just in my head because there wasn't a lot of modification going on to my creatures or to my life total other than just damage being dealt to me. But then as I uh, got more experience, and I started building more complex decks. And as you guys have both seen, my one deck that I was referring to er earlier, my green and white uh, life gain creature building deck, sometimes I can end up with creatures that have you know 80 or more uh, toughness and and health, and then I can have a life total that can sometimes exceed you know 200. So for me, having just a laptop or even on my phone where I can quickly edit those numbers and keep track efficient and then i'm not going through a bunch of paper as well but i do like uh as you said dj just the experience and the feel of using dice uh, as the counters I, I like that would be my preferred method as long as we have the dice that can accommodate the, the circumstances of the deck so yeah those are kind of because sometimes it like you said it gets just completely out of hand like unless you had a zillion dice or dice that had really big numbers on them there's just at a certain point you got to sometimes move right. to something else pen and paper or laptop or you're doing anything I've head. ever seen a 200 sided dice so <laughs> I wonder I wonder though if they make ones that are like um the numbers 100 and 200 and 300 on them or something and then you could like instead of 1 2 3 and then you have to like multiple still that'd be insane though you'd have like 223 so you'd have to have like three different dice just to represent 220 and then three like that would really be i think switching to pen and paper or a laptop yeah, definitely they do have a 100 sided dice on uh online that you can buy but it would be probably more frustrating just trying to balance on the correct number than it would be useful and then can you imagine just like accidentally bumping it and all the dice roll yeah <laughs> gosh it. yeah when i first started playing people told me that you have to uh keep track in your head because lots of players do that at the local scene. And I was like, that seems impossible. But then I went to go play, and I found out lots of them actually use pen and paper off to the side. So, mm -hmm. um, you were, uh, you know, we're going to jump in the deck building here in a second, but you're talking a lot about this green and white deck you have. Maybe you should fill us in a little bit, because um, I know Zeke and me know a little bit about it, but nobody else does. So, and you're probably going to talk a little bit about that. And um, I, I kind of want to hear about it anyways, because I know you're trying to talk to us a little bit about it off air. Um, so you've been buying some new cards for it. You pulled apart two decks, and you're trying to do this life gain deck. What, what's the purpose of the deck? Uh, you know, what inspired you to build yeah. it? And tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So it is. It's a green and white deck, and it combines life gain cards with uh, creature buffing cards. And it's been my labor of love, but also a deck that I love to hate because it's a very fun deck to play with, but it it the mana curve on it is actually not the best it's a very late game deck and so i have been manipulating it a lot as we play uh, to try to get it to perform better but the main goal of the deck is uh, 
now the, the new version of it is to try to get out there's two specific cards that i have um and i'll try to pull them up here while we're talking the name of them but it's a creature that uh has a passive ability that says once i reach or at the beginning of my upkeep if i have 40 or more life i win the game so that's a completely standalone condition i don't have to you know whittle away at your life total or weed through your deck or anything like that as soon as i hit 40 life at the beginning of my upkeep i win so now is this I've a creature that. or an enchantment yeah there is an enchantment it's a creature? Yeah. So is it like murderable and stuff? Can or does it have hexproof or what's that thing look yep, like? Yeah, you can do murder to it. Yeah, it's it doesn't have hexproof. So that would be uh, you know, the way to combat that strategy is to use something like that. But, um, so yeah, I use a combination of that and then another creature card, uh, the Rock's Faith Mender, which is allows me to duplicate how much life I gain. And so that if I can get two or three or even all four of those creatures out, if I were to say cast a card, Heroes Reunion, which gives me seven life. If I have two of my Rock's Faith Benders out, they each double that. So in one turn, I would get, you know, seven times four, I would get, you know, 28. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like 28 health and then times four. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that one cast. So you can see how pretty quickly, if I draw the right cards, I could get to that life total. And then it's just a, a matter of, you know, protecting my creatures, which I have with the white. Not only is it a life gain color, but it's also a very protective color. So I have things like regenerate uh, and, and stuff like that to try to help protect my creatures that are out there. So now you were working on a like a mill deck as well, which the purpose of a mill deck would be to drain discard all of your enemy players cards from their library to the discard and then you win the game by default you were talking about combining this with your green and white have you now gone away from that and you're actually just purifying oh, the green I, and white? Did. I, I did a little bit and before i jump into that i just wanted to mention that card i was referring to is called felidar sovereign i'll pull that they, up while you're uh, talking yeah felidar sovereign it's a six mana which you know that's a, a pretty high mana cost um and it has vigilance and lifelink and at the beginning of your upkeep if you have 40 or more life you win the game oh it's a white so. card so but uh, cool. to go back to your question about my other deck my blue mill deck and for anybody who's unfamiliar with that term milling is basically you're trying to you force your opponent to discard cards from their library and that's another unique win condition in Magic, is if a player starts their turn card from their library, but their library is empty, then they lose the game. So it's a card that forces the opponent to weed through their library, and they may still have 20 or even more life, but if they go to draw a card and there isn't any in their library, they lose. So those are two very unique uh, strategy decks that I wouldn't really recommend for beginners, but since I've been playing for a long time, I like to fiddle with different win conditions. And and honestly, neither of those two decks are the most uh, powerful or the best playing. I don't always win with those decks. But when I do win, it's a very fun, unique win condition. So back to that blue mill deck, I, I did end up taking some of the white cards out of my green and white deck. And I put them into my blue one to kind of help. Because in that strategy, 
you need to do a lot of control and delay. You know, if your other, if your opponent is building up creatures very quickly and I don't have anything to defend myself, uh, I can lose before I can get them to draw through their entire library. So that is another late game uh, strategy. So you have to have cards in your deck that prolong the process or delay your opponent. So I've added a couple of walls that will be able to absorb damage early on in the game. And then I've added uh, some life gain cards. So I, it allows me to draw cards to get to my more powerful cards, but it also helps me gain life at the same time. So those are two decks that they're different win conditions, but they both require you to time. Yeah, so those need... are both pretty cool. So They're... Uh... They're definitely more advanced, so it's not something you'd want to hand to a new player, like you said, and be like, here, try to win this way, because they're already yeah. just basically trying to yeah, figure out when an attack tip. phase is. You yeah, another beginner tip is don't try one of those decks at first. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I've definitely been enjoying the, 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 the starter decks and kind of modding them from there, or like the, the viable decks, you know? I definitely think mm -hmm. that's a good way for beginners to start out. So which deck is your favorite so far, Zeke, since you've you bought in a few Planeswalker decks from... Uh, either Throne of Eldraine or, or Magic 2020 corset. You know, which one's your favorite? What, what are you playing around with strategy-wise for your win condition? So I have a couple different kinds of decks. And I have, so speaking of like complexity-wise, right? So I have the starter deck that I got. I, I got like a, just a regular free starter deck that was blue and white. And I've slowly been turning that one into like modifying it and kind of trying to upgrade it, which in keeping it at a, a very simple deck, like it's very, the, you don't have a lot of counters. You don't have a lot of, you know, fancy mechanics and things. It's simply like, you know, so a little bit of vigilance, a little bit of healing and life gain, but mostly just kind of get creatures out, you know, unsummon a few things, cast a few spells and just win eventually. You know what I mean? Like just, just a seems like a well-balanced deck, pretty simple. Now that one, sometimes if I'm not feeling like counting things in my head or paying attention to a lot of different kinds of mechanics, sometimes I'll play that one. Then I have two other decks, which I bought. One of them is the Mu Yanling, which is like the 2021. Um, and that one I've also been modifying, but I started out just playing it normal, you know, and I took out some of the non-flying creatures because it's kind of built around uh, the, the Planeswalker, uh, Mu Yanling or whatever, however you say it. And she basically uh, buffs off flying creatures at a certain point in the game, and that's how you're supposed to end the game. She buffs, she gives all your flying creatures plus five, plus five, essentially. And so you're, the goal is to kind of get out as many flying creatures as possible, dwindle people down, and then if, if they're healing or something, then eventually you have enough. You, you tap her, boom. You kind of stall out the game long enough so you can get to that point. You tap her once, boom, buff up everything, and one-shot the enemy, essentially. Yeah, lots of the Planeswalkers have similar things like that. Um, I mean, some Planeswalkers are very weak, and they're cheaper to get out, but like the ones that are around that six and seven cost... Um, usually yeah. work similar to that, right? So they they'll have like a instant win button almost if you can get them out on the field and yeah. then get it through enough turns to power them up, um, and that's cool. Lots of the Planeswalker decks are built that way to work that way and teach a player to work towards a win condition of some kind, which is usually eliminating the other player. Yeah, and I have one more deck. I have a all black deck that I bought. I don't remember the name of it, but it's the I think it's the twenty the the twenty twenty all black deck. Um, and that one's also no Planeswalker. It, it plays in a similar way, except it's the opposite. Instead of, like, 
stalling out the game via like slowing the and pacifying the enemy and like you know stopping them from doing what they're trying to do it's more just like oh kill 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 life like life gain kill you know what i mean and get out as many vampires as possible then tap and turn out all the enemy <laughs> the 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 big mechanic at the end of this one is you tap the the your uh your planeswalker and he basically every vampire that you have out can take one of the enemy's cards and be make it become your card essentially like so a mind thing, control yeah. like forever yeah like it's like you know what i mean like if you like a vampire bites you and then you know eventually it like you know turns you or whatever into a vampire that's essentially what happened he turns everybody they turn everybody else all the enemies cards into vampires and use that to kill them <laughs> that's cool so but it's a fun deck because there's a lot of like you know destroy this or you know do damage to this and you know what i mean it, it, and then like you know there's like some cards where they'll do like they have lifelink or and also have like death touch which is like if it does any damage to any creature that creature dies essentially which is kind of cool and those are just cool mechanics i think it's a fun deck but yeah that's it that's all my decks cool i've uh I've got a handful of decks, kind of like you, a bunch of pre-built ones, and then I actually started building one from scratch, um, which you guys saw last time, which plays off of the um, oh, something of Calamity, and that's where whenever a creature with one power or less attacks, uh, it does one damage to the enemy directly, whatever you're attacking. Um, so that's a cool card, and I've been kind of building that and playing with that. We'll see how that turns out. It's a red-white deck. And then I have, uh, I really like red and white as a whole, so I've got a lot of mono-red or white and red decks. Uh, those are my two favorite colors right now. I like the fire and the dragons from red and the direct damage, but I like the knights and medieval and fantasy-looking cards that white has to bring. Um, so I just kind of like playing with those. So that's kind of what I've been doing with those. But we kind of already have been talking a little bit of deck building while we've been talking about our decks and things like that. So we will just push the rest of the way into that conversation and I uh, talk about some tips for deck building. Um, now there are different sized decks. A commander deck has a hundred cards and only one of each kind, one of each card name. And then it has one card that's a commander, which hangs off to the side and you get to use their abilities and stuff. Now there's also a standard, which is a very popular way to play, which is a 60 card deck and usually consists of about 24 lands and 36 spell cards. And then there is, uh, Apart from standard with 60 cards, there's also modern and legacy um, and other variants, which just basically allow you to use older and older cards until you envelop every card ever made. Um, but no matter which way you're playing, you know, having good synergy and play testing um, and, and having a good mana curve and stuff like that is always important. It's just some of these things are always important when you're building a deck. Um, so, I mean, with, with that, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Mike, but do you have any tips for for deck building for a new player or maybe someone who's not new who's maybe a little more intermediate is there anything you've learned or anything you know you'd pass on oh that's a good question i i think for beginners i would suggest to stick with uh simple concepts you know uh like i said the decks that i'm trying to build now uh, have a lot more complicated and and uh concepts that have to work together. So you really need to know that deck very well. You need to know when to hang on to cards and, and things like that. So for a beginner deck builder, I would say, focus on more simple uh, win conditions. Maybe, you know, have keep make sure your mana curve is, is well to 
the left, you know, which means just having a lot of good low cost cards coming out early. Because if you if you're building a deck that needs a late win condition and you have a lot of high cost cards, you're just going to get frustrated early, I think, and maybe not have the patience to continue to do it. So if you if you're starting off, you're building a deck with lower cost cards. You know, you'll you'll get things out quickly and you can work with it. Maybe um, an, an easy beginner color, I think, would be green because it's pretty straightforward. You're just and then you're buffing your creatures for the most part. So that might be a good starter deck, uh, something with green in it. And then, you know, as you gain more experience, just uh, like you were saying, uh, Zeke, you get those basic starter decks and you take some of the cards out and you put in others that seem to be more powerful and maybe play to your win condition a little bit better. And, you know, just keep playing with it, adjusting it here and there, and just have fun with it. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of touched on a little bit of everything there, so that's great. Kind of hit all the little talking points for deck building and the things to think about when you're deck building. Um, I like that you said green is a, is a good one for beginners. I think green is also pretty straightforward from what I've seen. Um, I like the theme of green being foresty and having a lot of animal-type creatures, not a lot of humans. That's kind of cool. And the way that they, they generally buff each other and just overwhelm people with raw damage. It's a pretty simple win condition, right? I mean... Yeah, wow. like I have a uh, a mono green deck, which, you know, a lot of times will perform even better than my two favorite decks just because it's a more simple strategy. You know, the cards get out early. I've got uh, some low-cost creatures that add additional mana so I can get my higher-cost creatures out very quickly. And then it's just a lot of, you know, wild growth or giant growth spells that give my creatures plus three, plus three. And early on, I've got, you know, one or one one or two two creatures and i can do a quick aggressive attack and knock out some opponent's creatures by throwing out those plus three plus threes and and then at the end if you've got some creatures with trample that can attack through the defending creatures you throw those th plus three plus three cards out at that time and you can opponent that way too so i really like green as a beginner uh a deck and it's and it's an effective deck too if you've got the cards for it it's a cool color. I like the trample ability a lot. Um, I think trample and flying are just two things. Lots of people will honestly build a whole deck around. So, I mean, if they're if they're building these creatures that have enough uh, life to, to break through something when they're attacking, then they can take some damage and still get their damage through, which is what the trample is doing. Allows them to still attack that enemy player after they've killed something in their way. And flying just goes straight over top of them. But either way, those are like very aggressive, um, good straightforward kill the enemy kind of strategies that people use flying is extremely popular especially in like a draft format people will pull as many flying cards as they can sometimes because that's an easy win condition you just go over top of the yeah. enemy you just reminded me of another really important point about deck building especially for beginners is don't try to make one deck that does because you're just you're just going to frustrate yourself you're not going to have there's just no way to do it. I mean, Magic was designed, you've got the five different colors. They each are strong in certain areas and weak in others. So that can be built, that's going to be strong against every opponent's deck. So just try to pick one thing that maybe you've got, you know, look through your entire card set, try to find some cards that have similar 
abilities or play towards the same win condition and then build around that. Don't try to do everything all at once, you know, because then you're going to get frustrated. And if you have more than two, you know, if you if you have a green, blue and red deck, that's more colors of mana you're going to need in your deck and it's less likely that you're going to draw the ones that you need so i wouldn't recommend doing especially for beginners any more than two colors in a deck i would stick with either just one yeah i agree with that you were cutting out a little bit there at the end but uh i think i think you finished but i think you're yeah one or two colors is good I, I agree with that. I think anything beyond that, which is very popular, people do go to multicolor decks beyond that, but it's not, not something you want to dabble with right away. You're just going to overwhelm yourself and you already have so much to think about as a new player. Even just the simple turn phases and making sure you're not forgetting to do stuff that you can't be, you know, getting, you're going to get frustrated trying to dig through and not being able to play the cards that are in your hand. That's the worst feeling ever. Having a bunch of cards in your hand you can't do anything with anyways, yeah. then... If you're not playing magic, then you're not playing magic. You know, you can't have fun if you're not actually doing something. You're just sitting there, you know. So, um, yeah, curve synergy. Yeah, I mean, we basically covered it all. I think we've had some good passive tips we've mentioned about deck building. Um, is there anything else that kind of comes to mind for either one of you guys that maybe you've experienced or, or any other topics you want to touch on deck building? I don't have much to say about deck building, but it sounds cool. It was a very interesting topic. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th I think we covered, you know, most of the stuff for beginners. Obviously, the more you get into it, there's a lot of different learn, but that's it. That's it. You heard it here, here first, folks. That's all you need to know mm -hmm. about magic to get. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's a good starting point for a lot of, a lot of beginning players. Um, you know, I hope that everybody listening enjoyed the episode. If you like hearing us talk about magic, please let us know. You can send us an email, um, leave us a comment, um, leave us a review if you want. But let us know what you like hearing about. Um, I know in the coming weeks we're going to be talking a little bit about Pokemon. And then if you guys really like the magic episodes, maybe we'll do another magic episode. Um, and we'll jump around. You know, a, lot of, a lot of exciting stuff happen this, happening this holiday season. Um, uh, I guess we'll, we'll move towards wrapping it up here then. Um, and then we'll get that sweet outro music playing. But uh, I want to thank you, Mike, for joining us today. It was awesome to have you on. You had a lot of good insight and knowledge, um, just a lot of experience in Magic altogether that I think this episode will help complement the first Magic episode we did. It just lets us get a little more in depth. So thank you for joining us today. I had a great time. Really uh, fun to be on here with you guys. Yes, yeah, nice to finally have a guest on. Yes, you are our first guest. So and maybe we can have you be a more regular guest. So. Oh, I better get a plaque in the mail or something. That's a pretty big milestone. First guest on the podcast. Yep, we go down to history. You'll be uh, <coughs> immortalized. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so thank you to everybody who's listening. Um, thanks for the downloads. Thanks for the reviews. Um, if you'd like to visit our websites, I believe all three of us have websites. So we'll take a second here and plug what we've got, what we've got going on. Um, I have a halffullreviews.com um, and... Zeke, you have easyrunningcoach.com where you're doing some some running articles and stuff because you like to run a lot, right? Yep. Mike, what do you have going on? What website do you have? I just have a personal blog. It's uh, called Life Without the Box, and it's at lifewithoutthebox.net. And it's mostly uh, just different topics that I'm personally interested. I've got tips and information about 
health and finances, uh, a couple of summaries of some of my favorite books that I've read. And also uh, my wife and I just recently finished, we were on a one year trip where we took off and we traveled around the world. So I've got some information on there about how we were able to do that, some of the places that we went while we were there. And over the next couple of weeks, months, I'm gonna be updating that blog with some more information about where we went and what we might be doing next, so. That's super cool. I really enjoyed reading your stuff and keeping up on, on where you guys were and what you guys are doing. I think I actually, in some of our previous episodes, mentioned what you were doing for the past year. Um, oh, cool. Over the, yeah, I think I, I'll have to listen back to some of them because it's been a few months since we recorded some of them. But I think I remember talking about you and you being on a trip and stuff like that. So it's funny. Then now we have you on and you can actually talk a little bit about yourself. So that's cool. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. All right, so um, with that, Mike, I know you're a guest. We usually like to just sign off and give a little shout-out, say whatever you like to say on the end. Um, but uh, with that, we will see you guys next time. I was your host, DJ, and may the Force be with you. Peace out. Have a magical week. <laughs> All right, we'll see All you guys right. next time. Thanks for listening to the Half Full Gaming Podcast. This show was created and produced by myself, DJ, and my brother, Zeke Zauner. The music was done by Rebecca Zauner, and our special guest today was Mike. Um, you can get in touch with all of us at our websites, halffullreviews.com, easyrunningcoach.com, and lifewithoutthebox.net. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to support the show, leave us a review, share our show with a friend, or you can support us monetarily at patreon.com forward slash halffullreviews. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.